Hi, everyone. Today on the Jibber Jabber podcast, we have Mr. Cream Puffs and Sweet Potato here, and we're going to talk about nationalism and especially this resurgence of nationalism in recent times. So, any thoughts? This was uh, this was Mr. Cream Puffs' um, idea, his theme, so I feel like he has a lot to say. Yeah, I think... Uh... In the recent times, I've been noticing a lot of like, like, uh, almost like a resurgence of like us versus them, mm. and I think it it's really become uh, prevalent and predominant uh, since the beginning of last year, like when every country was blaming China in the beginning of the pandemic mm. and. You know, they did try to hide a few things. They did try to, like, play it down in the beginning. China. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. But at the same time, like, like there were talks of, like, fining China or, like, getting uh, monetary um, returns from China for all the countries that were affected by the pandemic. Right. Like, like, having a national fine on China for each country. Um who lost economic output because of the pandemic. Yeah. And that to me was like, was kind of a wild thing to uh, ask a country, right? Well, it. I believe it's because it's well known that China underplayed when, it, when the virus first started in Wuhan. And so it was a purposeful mistake on China's part. They were more concerned for their image than for like global health safety. And so right I think I think what I see is like almost like a like an uh, a parallel situation that's happening between Israel and Palestine okay like it's almost like at Palestine asking Israel for like moder- monetary resources or some resources now that Israel has bombed Palestine so much. Yeah. Like as a, as a fine, as a punishment, as some sort of like reparations. Some sort of reparations, yeah. Yeah, we like. And and to us, that thought is like. Like incomprehensible at this point, where nations are basically pleading Israel, to stop, its attack on on Palestine, yeah. but to think that, oh. Like, can Palestine ask for reparations? Nobody's nobody's even gonna <laughs> nobody's even gonna suggest that, right? Yeah. <laughs> nobody's even gonna suggest that. Even though I feel like Israel's um, is doing so much openly, almost shamelessly, right, uh, to the poor citizens of Palestine, and and so I, I find this like I find this uh, like second standards. That people are asking China to pay for reparations, but not Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one conflict is, what, like a hundred years old at the very least, and involves huge cultural right. issues, and it's something that is, quite frankly, insolvable. Like, it's not, there's no simple solution to that. They would have thought of it by now. But the China situation, I think if you were to say that China made a mistake, and thus and thus should pay 
pay for its mistakes, then it's quite easy to say that China should pay reparations. Yeah, but think about whereas one is like a, is a cultural story. It's like a conflict between two people who not two people, two nations, who believe that you're that the other is trespassing on their home. How that's not a simple solution. There's no answer to the blame game, there. Yeah, but I also think like the number of lives, uh, like. You can't blame China for every person who died personally, like on an individual basis. No. Right. But they're not. They're doing. They're. Right. They're asking for reparations based on the economy. Right. And I'm. And, but you can say that Israel has directly, is directly responsible for so many lives. Yeah. Probably. And, and yet we think about asking China to pay reparations. Is because it wasn't that the human lives were lost; it was that the <laughs> output, the economy, the, yeah. the economy <laughs> was the economy was suffering. The no damage. one really cares about the human lives lost. Let's yeah, be real. especially because most of the lives are lost in like developing nations, poorer nations. Right, and it's just I don't know. It just seems like such a almost like a blasphemy. Like you do one thing and you're saying one thing, but we actually care about is like. The economic output. You don't care about lives. Yes. Like all these nations asking China to pay reparations, and not asking Israel to pay anything, is because they don't value lives. They value economic output. Yeah. That sucks. It sucks, and it makes me feel like that's how little the Palestinian lives have been valued. Yeah. Valued at. Yeah, I mean it's a simple fact. Less than resources. Less than. Yeah. Whatever. You know, your factories are not making, or your restaurants are not serving. Yeah. It's less than that. I agree. But I guess I guess it just doesn't surprise me. Like, it's it, time and time again, we know that the value of a life is nothing. And it's also directly proportional to how much money you make, and where you're from, and what you add. Yeah. There's no value. And uh, honestly, on top of that, like, how would you design a reparation system that can compensate for lives being lost. That's not a tangible, that's not, you can't quantify that in any way. And so, you know, when they're asking China for economic reparations, it's because you can, you can look at that and it's not a simple calculation, but it's a number that you can come out with. The value of it is inherently quantifiable. What are you gonna do? China made some really shitty mistakes. I mean, they're not mistakes. I think they're entirely purposeful. And whatever followed suit followed suit. How are you gonna how are you gonna quantify the lives lost there? You can't you can't even say like one life is what a million dollars? Yeah. Two million dollars, three million dollars? Like the you can't do that. Yeah. And I don't know, I feel like that's the thought I've been having is um because of this rise in nationalism the countries don't actually value their people's lives anymore. Why do you say that? Like, you'll see... um, You'll see any country whose government is doing, like, something crazy... Yeah. ...has even crazier followers. Yeah. And hence... These nations 
who have these like people who think in a certain way um or these governments that 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 have been able to like brainwash their people to mm-hmm. a point where they've lost their personal identity mm-hmm. is actually basically uh profiting or using people for its own purpose I think that's that's like what the nationality I'm seeing right now is. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely parallel that to China. Like I've mentioned before, I have a family friend who works in the Chinese military and like the amount of brainwashing that has happened to him is insane. Like first of all, he's actually not allowed to travel outside of the country. So, just by doing that, you're closing off someone who, you know, could financially travel and just see something else, but he can't. And then on top of that, he believes a lot of crazy nonsense. He his, his worldview is very nationalistic, and anything the Chinese government says goes. And the Chinese government says a lot of crazy stuff in China. So yeah, brainwashing is a very real thing. Fun fact about brainwashing. It was actually taken from a Chinese word. Oh, really? Yeah. Chinese people practically invented it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. What is, a, what is brainwashing called in... Uh... In Chinese. Xinao. Hmm. Which is washing up the brain. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It was uh, introduced in the Soviet era. Uh, sorry, not the Cold War era. Uh, like, the word was taken from the communist government. I don't know. It's interesting how, like, how much history there is in this whole, like, nationalism thing. Like, nationalism was such a big thing in the 50s. And now it does feel like it's coming back. And it does feel like it's government-led. But it also feels like it's it's a cult it's a cultural thing too like you have all these underground movements coming out like in america like i don't know what i don't know what's going on exactly but like people love trump because he's yeah. nationalist yeah people are very nationalist for america and that didn't come out of nowhere and i don't know was that was that led by the government or was that just a, a movement that came out of something going on in people i think it's it's a sign of of like people are people are constantly getting unhappier or unsat yeah unsatisfied yeah and they try to find leader that can help with that dissatisfaction yeah but what but like, sometimes that leader is actually not like it's just uh, sometimes that leader or that entity that they're they're believing in so much is actually flawed. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're seeing a lot of that right now in different parts of the world. Flawed leaders. But you know, they're to me they're responding to something that the people are asking for. Right. Like they're becoming they're going into power like I guess this is a chicken or the egg situation, but I think they're going into power because something is happening in the world and people are unhappy and they look for leaders like this and then and then the leaders enact hmm. and then it keeps going and going it's a positive feedback loop but yeah, yeah people people are really um yeah as you said like us versus them these days like look at america i don't know what's going on there it's crazy mm-hmm. um israel palestine well that's been going on for god knows how long <laughs> yeah i think i think it, the the china thing Reminded me of uh, during the Cold War, like the Japanese continuously, like they 
they attacked China, they plundered all the resources, raped their people. There was like so much oppression going on by the Japanese. The, the world, world, world War Two. Yeah. Yeah. And even in like, I believe the Cold War, because. I'm not so sure. About oh, that. was it just the World War Two? Cold War wasn't actual violence. Oh. It was an arms race. Ah, I see. As they say, but yeah, World War Two. You're right. It was. Um, it, that was. Well, I mean, World War Two is. Um, it was motivated by nationalism, right? That's what we learned in the history books. Yeah, and and the the thing I was reading is um, the Chinese soldiers actually like stopped the the Soviet forces for a while yeah. in World War Two. Yeah. But nobody ever like talks about them in in the books of history. Why do you think so? Because like we only like hear about like United States role in World War Two, oh, yeah, often yeah, the yeah. USSR, or like maybe the uh, the people of uh, I believe it's it's like France. Um, right, it's very Eurocentric. Yeah, like we only hear about like the Western countries that played a part in World War Two. Yeah, well, you know, we live in a Western country. Right. But we never hear about like what the Chinese did for World War Two because actually the the Soviet forces were expanding both ways. Yeah, and I mean like. And then Japan had China right next to it, and Japan was. Was awful, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't learn about the rape of Nanking in in like a Canadian high school, but it's funny because you know um, I went on this tour in China, and it was a state-sanctioned tour. I was I was quite young. I was probably uh, like eleven. Um, but the tour is mostly for, for teenagers, and we visited like a series of museums dedicated to World War II, specifically the Japanese treatment of China. And like, it is incredibly biased. <laughs> like, it's very like, woe is China. I mean, woe was China. It was a really rough time. But um, it's very like anti-Japan. It's not, it's not like a well-rounded point of view. It's not very informative whatsoever. It's just like, photos of dead Chinese people, like very graphic photos of dead Chinese people and hating on Japanese people. So it is taught. And it's funny because, you know, here's this war that was motivated by the Japanese nationalists to like get more land for them, for themselves. That's what they thought. And then, you know, many years later, you go to these museums and they're museums dedicated to the Japanese treatment of Chinese people. And they're also very nationalistic. It's all about us versus them. It's like we as the Chinese people have been treated so poorly. Yeah. And that's why we hate Japanese people. Yeah. And but they I, hate Japanese. But I think people. I think that kind of uh almost like a tribal thinking. Yeah. Often can lead to like people believing into like a leader or a government that's that can probably get them out of that one situation, but on a grander scale it's much flawed. Right. Yeah, like, so... Like, if you think about the government in China right now, it was probably, you can say that it was a reaction to that that time that the Chinese people went through, and that's why this ever-arching, uh, like, the Communist Party came yeah. out of it. Yeah, but, like, I wonder, like, the simple fact is no one... I never lived it. No one knows what the reality is. We can only lo- learn about the history books. So was the reaction, was this like nationalistic point of view that came out of all of these atrocities, is it reasonable? 
Like, that's what I think. Like, you, like, I hear you're saying, like, these leaders are using these ideas of nationalism to brainwash their people to gain power. Mm-hmm. But perhaps, maybe, maybe, like, these things happen to the Chinese people and they formed nationalistic ideas on their own. Yeah. And then this government was just a, was like, just a byproduct of, of it. Yeah. And, like, quite frankly, like, you can't blame people for feeling that way, like... I would hate the Japanese if they killed my family. Right. You know, that makes me think. Yeah. That makes me think, like, how bad and how um, hateful the Palestinian people would be in, like, a generation or two. Because what they're living through right now. Yeah. I mean, this, this has been going on for many generations at this point. Yeah. And there's, that's, that's why they're so hateful. It's like their grandparents have been dealing with this. True. And like the next generation that's going to come now is going to be even more like resentful of not only Israel, I feel, of all the countries around it. Yeah. Because nobody's actually coming to their aid. Yeah. I mean, like, it's so It's a, like if you think about like in a group of people, a group of people being the countries. Yeah. Everyone's almost like Like, singling Palestine out. Yeah. Just leaving out for the dead. Yeah. For this tyrannical... Union of people to do whatever they want to them. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Nationalism to me feels like a... Boys locker room right now. Where somebody's getting bullied. Dude, what? I've never been in a boys locker room. I don't know. I don't understand this analogy. Like, you know, somebody's picking on someone else... And it's a group. And... It's like, oh, this one person is not part of our group. And yeah, hating yeah. on this person yeah. brings the rest of us together. Right, right, right. But the other, it's only like one person who hates them so much. And the rest are just like completely neutral about it. Because they want to be part of the group. Yeah. Right? In a boys' locker room, at least. Yeah. I think. I don't know what... What I'm saying is like... Is like... You can't blame Israel alone for what they're doing to Palestine. The rest no. of the world is watching and letting them do it. Yeah, but like, what What do you think? What would you, like... This is... This is an issue that can definitely get out of hand if literal countries start taking sides. No, I think, I think you can avoid taking sides and just be like, alright, stop it. Like, you know, just breaking up a fight between, like, Two kids. But what are you gonna do? How are you gonna solve a conflict? I I personally think that. Um, well, here's I, the thing. So first of all, I think this brings me to the point that I think United States should have done more. Why America? Because America is uh, giving military aid to Israel. Right. That's that's another argument. Like, America is giving military aid to Israel. Right. And now Israel is using that military aid to do to basically bully this country or this yeah. this land. Yeah. I don't think that's right. Right. I think that should have been the first move here to stop the economic supply. I don't. I don't, I, I just don't think it even matters. Like America, I guess this is kind of bitter of me to think, but like someone is gonna do it. Someone is gonna make that money. It's a, it, that's an economic thing, like selling weapons. That's money. 
talking. Right. And money doesn't take sides. Like, someone is cashing in. True. But if you're talking about, like, international opinions, like, can you imagine getting all these world leaders together in a room and, like, they each pick a side? And, like, even if everyone sides on think, one side... I think you, you can avoid picking a side and yet do the right thing. I don't... I think that sounds, like, really simple. Like, what is the right thing? The right thing is probably to not... Get involved? Get violent. Like, there's a way to solve this thing, and violence is not the way. Yeah. I think we all agree on that. Everyone agrees on that. Yeah. But... I'm sure everyone who's actively involved in the conflict, like, fighting or living in those areas, like... I'm sure they feel very differently. And those are the people who end up mattering. You know what it feels like? It feels like a more broader, or maybe not broader, but a, a bigger form of like, like evolved evolution. What? Yeah. Okay. Like if you were think to if you were to think about each country as like a species of like people, or like any organism. Okay. Natural selection basically like makes sure which uh, species or subspecies this is gonna make forward with its traits. Sure. And it feels like that's what nationalism is doing right now. Is basically like putting one one species of people against the other. And not, I'm not saying species and like species, but like just different nations. So you think the strongest is going to win? I think what nationalism has done is pit against, pit us against each other. Yes. I mean, that's the big question when it comes to nationalism as it rears its head over and over again. Like, on one hand, it's something that brings people together. People have pride in where they're from. <clears throat> people have pride in who they are and the groups that they join. But it can also devolve very quickly into us versus them. But you, you, I, I still don't think you, you can tell a people to just stop doing that. Like, if it was that simple. If everyone just, like, woke up one day and was like, we should really just stop fighting. Like, that would be nice. But that's not going to happen. Because there's always going to be, like, us versus them. I think just, just like... In everything we do, that's something that people always go back to. It's just how it's it's terrible, but it's how, it it brings people together. I think, but that's what these leaders are doing. They're using this to basically give themselves more power and influence over people. I think so too. I but I think leaders will always pick a topic that matters to people that probably generate some sort of conflict because because that's what matters right there's a conflict people are upset about it a leader says okay well i'll solve your problem yeah and then they they do it and then they get elected into leadership and they don't want to lose that but i think that this nationalism thing i don't think it's top down i think it's bottom up you think like it's, I, it's, like, it's a fault of people inherently for picking that leader it, like it sounds like to me like you're saying that some like leader was like, some dude 
was like scheming in the background and he's like Haha, this is a great idea oh yeah and then he he implemented this plan and right, it right. made people angry at each other but i think people were already really angry at each other oh. for whatever reason um i i have noticed it like growing up in canada i have never really faced a lot of racism you face a lot of ignorance but people don't hate you for well being chinese but very up until very recently it's come out right yeah and i i don't think that's a leadership issue because hmm. who like who who said that like no none of the leaders have said that right in fact i think i think general media presence is trying to move away from that but like you know the media is so like promoting of equality and whatever blah 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 not 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 racism but for some reason people are still being racist and they're being more racist despite media like mainstream media at least not saying that yeah so there's there's an undercurrent of something something's going on that i can't understand because i'm not part of these groups of people right but it it's a uh, it's interesting you bring that because do you think it's a it's a reaction to this like form of globalization and how connected one person is to the other cultures do you think it's a it's a consequence of that? I I think I think like a lot of these groups of people who I think they feel like they're being attacked. I think they feel like their culture is being attacked. Um and that's what causes people to act this way, right? Like that's what that's what causes people to band together. Um You have a lot more immigrants coming in. They're they're different. They do things differently. Even I notice it. Like, even I am an immigrant, but I'll notice other groups of immigrants. And you know, you'll go to a park, and it's like all one group of immigrant. It's all like Arabs, or it's all Indian people, or it's all like Somali people. And and you notice it. Like, we're not gonna sit around and pretend like you don't see race. And I think for a group of people in Toronto, at least, um, who were used to being the majority, and they. And so they were fine when there was like one Chinese person, you know, you're, you're just like a little bit of a token. But now, now, like, I think we're outnumbering them. Yeah. And it's scary. It's, you mean, it scares them. It scares them. Yeah. And I mean, don't even get me started on like how it's changing the economy and the housing market and like how it's actually affecting their lives. Like, that's what they see. Right. And that's right. something I'm sure happens everywhere in mm. America. I know this is like a common story with like Mexican immigrants, I always hear that. Like, oh, they come and take our jobs or whatever the hell. Right. It almost sounds like there's too many people, which is leading to this. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's it, right? Like, that's the Israel thing. Like, everyone just wants a piece of land to call their own. Yeah. But there's not enough space to go around. <laughs> yeah. So somebody has to give. Something has to give. But... <laughs> that's not easy yeah yeah everyone wants what they want yeah and nobody wants to compromise no one wants to give up anything because it's so hard to have anything hmm. anyway that's that's my opinion that's also like why i see in my opinion like some of the american stuff going on um people people get really angry like people feel like like all these like small towners they feel attacked yeah. Simply put, like we sit around and we like make fun of them all the time. Yeah, I think uh, 
just going back to the Israel Palestine yeah, 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 yeah. it almost feel like like two like medieval tribes who were probably fighting over water at some point oh yeah 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 and now it's just like they've come to a point where dude you don't have to fight over water that conflict is over don't keep overblowing it over and over again you're literally <laughs> the same people but you have bad blood at this point yeah like, bad blood is and the thing is like hot. you're basically the same people like like i'm pretty sure like if you just go back a few generations those people were like very homogenous yeah probably and now the conflict has like become so big that they literally like can't stand each other yeah i mean i think that like the israel palestine thing is magnified because you have a a religious aspect to these lands right like oh yeah right like that's yeah, the jewish right. people feel like like that is their homeland that is like god given yeah so when when you when you get like religion and spirituality mixed in here like you're never going to win because people will die for that yeah as they are doing <laughs> so i think that conflict is like a larger issue beyond nationalism right but it is not yeah true. you're right there's another social layer to it religion yeah and there's cultural things there like all like i guess i don't feel like i have a homeland at mm-hmm. the end of the day that's not what i grew up with but if someone told me like a piece of land was god given it's yours people are going to people are going to act very differently right to to try and take it hmm yeah i mean i'm not so sure about like the the full scope of it but man i remember there are like entire courses dedicated to this stop it <laughs> yeah it's big it is big um it's crazy how people just can't get along yeah there's just not enough resources to go around i guess yeah and like it almost feels like if you just compromise a little more things will be like 100 times much better yeah like we don't have to like pick up our pitchforks and you know bats at each other yeah but we do did you ever um there's a study that was done i think they put like two monkeys in cages next to each other and they would do like a really simple task and they would get a grape and then and they would like keep doing it and the and the monkeys would know to do the task and get a grape which is like a really tasty snack for them and then in and then after a while they would stop giving grapes to one of the monkeys and they would give the grapes to they would only give the grapes to one monkey but not the other they would give him like cucumbers which is not as tasty of a snack but it's still a good snack anyway the monkey that was getting cucumbers would just like throw a fit every time he wouldn't even take the cucumbers anymore because he saw that the other monkey was getting grapes uh and it's just it's just intrinsic to us like the, the monkey could have also just taken his cucumbers and enjoyed his life but no right yeah, like he has to but he didn't know what the grape tasted like right earlier hmm? he didn't know what the grape tasted they like. would both get grapes for a while and oh. then one would oh. stop getting grapes for the same task and he would see the monkey next to him still getting grapes but did they ever do the studies keeping them separate like they could not see each other um No, I don't I don't know about that, but I I'm almost sure 
because I've worked with small children, that that wouldn't be as much of an issue, right? Like, they would throw less of a fit. Right. If you just isolated them and did the same thing, yeah. they would, they'd be more cognizant and accepting of this gesture. Yeah. Like, you could change the grapes to cucumbers and they'd probably be less... They'd probably be fine with it. Yeah. But then watching another one get, getting the same thing... Yeah. That's, like, what triggered it. Or at least that's what the study was about. I'm mm-hmm. definitely paraphrasing here. But... Yeah, I think it's funny. We're all just monkeys, really. Yeah. We really are. Just monkeys. Um, anyway, uh, so I was supposed to set a timer, and I didn't. <laughs> but I think our oh time dear. is up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think our time is up. See, this is the shit I have to deal with <laughs> every day. I'm sure it's been time. That was a really long conversation. It, something, sometimes it just comes to a natural end. So thanks for joining us. Really interesting talks. And see you later. See you later.